You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 19th of November. We got a great show lined up. Some Pokemon, some Final Fantasy, some Anthem, Torchlight, a whole bunch of fucking shit. But we are going to start off with Pokemon. Let's go. Um, I had not planned on picking it up because I started NaNoWriMo, and I'm not about to say yet whether or not I'm going to finish it. But, well, Joe especially knows you. There's been a there's been a lot of shit this month, and it's been ridiculously hard. So I'm so backed up that I don't know if I can finish it or not. The reason I was plan- I was not planning on picking up Pokemon Let's Go was specifically because of NaNoWriMo. And kind of because that was kind of out the window there, I kind of went, fuck it. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I just picked up the EV version. Joe, I know you picked up the EV version as well, right? I did. I did indeed. So this is where it gets interesting. Okay, first of all, did you ever play, uh, it's red and blue, I believe, right, that this is based on? Did you ever play either of those? Nope, this is based off, This is based off of Yellow. This is a recreation of Yellow. Okay, are you absolutely certain, because I've read time and time again, red and blue? So red and blue were the base games that were originally were released here in North America. Okay. Um, Yellow was the culmination of those two afterwards, which took oh. moments from both games. Okay. So this is this a lot the lot of people are talking about oh, this is based on red, this is based on blue. No, even Nintendo flat out said this is a recreation of yellow, which takes elements from both of them. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. So did you play yellow? Oh fuck yeah. Okay. See, those early ones I I played a little bit, but more so than anything, I watched the kids play them. Because Pokemon came out as our kids were um, were still young enough that they could they were the target audience, not us. So we I watched them play a lot of it. So what are your memories then of Yellow? Uh, so I really loved the original games, and I actually never I, I didn't start with Red or Blue. I actually started with Yellow. And that's because at the time, the little brother of my girlfriend at the time, uh, him and I, like, he loved Pokemon. That was his thing. He just absolutely fucking loved Pokemon. So whenever we would hang out, I would spend time with the kid and we'd watch Pokemon and talk about Pokemon or whatever. So he made her get me Pokemon Yellow for a birthday present because he wanted to play Pokemon <laughs> Yellow with me. That's awesome. Okay. So I, I was, I remember he, serves i was like in my mid-20s when that came out so you would have been a teenager at the time i'm assuming right yep okay i was right. 15 15 okay so obviously you remember fairly well then yeah and and i really enjoyed the game uh for the most part there were some things that i didn't enjoy about it um like the random encounters were like it seemed ramped up which i found out years later they actually were um but other than that, like, I still have incredibly fond memories of playing this game in the summer of 98. Okay, so now let's jump to Let's Go. Now, this is fairly different in certain regards to the formula that's laid, been laid out for, for decades now for the, the Pokemon formula. And... And it's been challenging to see whether or not I like it entirely. And the majority of that comes to the, the the battling system because that is a large part of what Pokemon is. Again, you're cockfighting digital animals. There's You can't pretend that's not what it is. It is. But yeah, they've done true. it so well that... Um, a large part of the enjoyment for the uh, for for me at least, and for a lot of people also, I've read some comments and things like that, um, has been in 
getting the quote unquote perfect team for you moving forward and not just the perfect team, but with the best abilities that you can find and things like that and trying to get as much synergy between the characters. And because of the changes that they made here, which I don't want to say obviously because I don't work for these companies, so I don't know, but seems obviously influenced by Pokemon Go. Because of that change of removing the random encounters and being able to see the Pokemon everywhere, it's really changed a fundamental dynamic in the game. And I'm not sure that I like it yet. And the reason I say that is because despite the fact that that um, that element has been taken away, stripped from the game, there are so many NPCs that want to fight you all the time that you're getting that that groove on through them instead of the random encounters. But because I'm still early enough in the game, I don't know how far that's going to progress and what that's going to mean for the grind aspect of the game, which is very much there for anyone who is more... I don't want to say more serious because that makes... It's a fucking Pokemon game. It's not serious. But, like, I've played... I haven't played them all. I'm not that big a Pokemon fanatic, but the ones that I have played, man, I played the shit out of them. And I I ate there I did not mind the grind because I was working towards specific legendaries or whatever along the line. And so I kind of enjoyed that. But it's not just that I enjoyed it, it's also that those elements of the game help progress the game to get you to where you need it to be. And that is, that does not appear to be the case in this one thus far. Mm. I don't know if you share that. I do not. Not even. Okay. Uh, okay. Then so, d- so, prove me wrong. So I'm not going to prove you wrong because it's something that you're going to have to play to experience. And, and, and here's, here's my thoughts on it. From my perspective, I actually really enjoy the changes that they've made to the game, especially with the capture system and how that works out. One of my biggest gripes of the old games, uh, even up to the current game generations that we're playing on the, the 3DS, is that you have these plethora of of trainers that you have to fight in order to get from point A to point B. Like You don't have a choice, uh, but then you also have the random encounters, and you can't. In the old games, you can't see them. You don't know when they're going to happen. They just happen, and you have to fight or run away. Now, I understand that that's an RPG trope. Um, It's sort of like how it's been since the dawn of time when it comes to RPG video games. But I like what they've done here in two key things that they've changed. One, being able to see Pokemon in the overworld is a huge thing, especially for me. Uh, I'm a completionist. I like going through and getting the Pokedex filled out. I like capturing everything. And one of the things that always annoyed me was grinding random encounters in an area where like, it's the only area one specific Pokemon spawns and it has like meh, a 1% spawn rate. I don't have to grind. I can just look, I can sit around, wait out the spawn timers. And then when the one I need goes, I can go and, and try to capture it. That's that's, I'm not going to stop you by all means keep going, but, that's not the aspect that I have a problem with. That's fair. It's fair. Now, the other thing that I really enjoy is I like the fact that you don't have to battle the creatures to capture them. That's okay. And the reason I like that is because I, it's so easy to find that one that you're looking for or get that shiny or whatever the case is and accidentally knock it out. And you have no control over that. You have no control over when the game is going to give you a critical hit. You have no control over when the damage is going to spike or whatever the case is. I like the concept of taking the Pokemon Go system into this game where you're basically just feeding it a berry and saying, hey, buddy, I like you. Want to come along with my adventure? Get in the goddamn ball. It it tends to flow a little bit better. I also find that I spend less time grinding because you still get experience points for that, just like you would if you were battling. Yeah. 
and it allow and the other thing too is they've added instead of having to have a separate item for the XP share, you just have that. So all of your Pokemon level up. They all get experience points. They all gain stats as at the same speed without having to have a special item or do anything in particular. And the thing that I like... Go ahead. No, no, finish first. I was going to say, I like the balance between the two. I like the way that it feels because I get my battle needs from all of the trainers and I get all of the capture that I like, the, the smoothness of it, the speed of it from Pokemon Go. Right. Uh, it, it's just, it's easier on me. I, I enjoy it because of that. I think there's a good balance. Okay. So first and foremost, you're not wrong on any of those fronts, but here's what I'm going to say. And, and a lot of it is, a lot of it is predicated on the fact that I have not finished. So I'm, I don't want to say like uh, put a hard line in the sand and say this is shit because of this because I simply don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that okay, actually, you know what? Before we uh, before I, I keep going, do you recall? And I understand this is all going back a long time, but do you recall if there were as many NPC encounters in the original Yellow as there are in this? Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. They, they actually reduce the amount of NPCs that you fight in this version. Okay, okay. Well, because that's the thing that I keep thinking about is that um, as much as I would like to be battling each of the, the, the random encounters that I come across, although not really random, I'd like to battle them. Um, I get my fill of battling from, well, I, I shouldn't say my fill, but there's... There's enough battling that I'm like not from the random NPCs that I'm not going. Well, this is just the equivalent of Pokemon Quest, which is you could just press a button, put it on autopilot, and it does everything for you kind of deal. And and I don't want that. The other thing is, I kind of look at this in the same way that an MMO player looks at the gear grind. So they're grinding their eye level in terms of wow, which is the easiest one for everybody to understand what I'm talking about. So you're grinding your eye level and you're doing raids, dungeons, everything, and you're grinding. And you understand that it's all, all you're doing is raising an arbitrary number on a character sheet. And yes, it makes your life easier when you're doing other shit in the game. But more often than not, by the time you've gotten to this point, you're not doing a lot of the other shit in the game except for the raiding and the grinding and shit like that. So really, it's all about a number on a a character screen, a UI element. But because, because the grind is so much fun, that's cool. If you enjoy enough of the aspects of raiding that you have fun than the the fact that you're just literally trying to raise tick up a number on just the character screen is enough to be like yeah i i accomplished something tonight and i'm not making fun of that i'm i'm putting into perspective then when i look at the pokemon battles when i look at okay i need to get my team as strong as it can be in order to take on this legendary that i want that i know is stored over here because i cheated and checked the shit online to see where it is then what's important becomes the enjoyment of leveling up and for at least for me the enjoyment of that aspect has largely been in the grinding of the catching random pokemon now putting the pokemons on display so you see them so that you can just kind of beeline whichever one you want or avoid the ones you don't want or or whatever I am so on board with that. That is fucking awesome, and I love it already. But I personally find it still disappointing when you get into the battle, and it's not a battle. You're 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 throwing a Pokeball, and if you're playing in handheld, which we'll get into that later, because I got fucking gripes about that shit. <laughs> but if you're playing in handheld, oh my god, is it ever? simple 
Like, is it ever a literal waste of time for you to press a button to make sure that you're hitting in the center just in time for the circle to be at the right amount? And it's taken away the fun of the raids for me. It's taken away all of that fun and replaced it with something that eh, I'm not really on bar for. Now, if if there are enough NPCs to 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 kind of wet that appetite, uh, wrong term, but to to fulfill that, to to make me feel like I'm getting enough fighting, I'm good, it's not a problem, then we don't have an issue. But I'm looking historically at all of the the Pokemon games that I have played. And historically, at least, and again, I haven't played them all, but I've I've played a bunch of them. It has required a lot of grinding beyond the, uh, the questing aspect, which you can't go back and keep fighting those NPCs. You're fighting them once, and that's it. So I'm looking forward now to a point where I've spoken to all of the NPCs because up to where I am now, I've spoken to them all and that's not going to change. And so I'm looking to the point where there's not going to be any more NPCs to talk to and I'm going to have to grind as I have in every other Pokemon game. Only now there's not going to be any fighting, but just aiming a Pokeball and shooting it. And that's entirely something that I, I mean, I can't tell you that your, your feelings are right or wrong because they're obviously they're your feelings. I love that aspect because here's some other things that they did that have changed the core gameplay in this game for, in my opinion, the better. One of the things that it was always a hidden stat was the IV level of the Pokemon, which if you've never really looked at it, you probably don't know what that means. Uh, in Pokemon, there are six stats for each of your creatures, your IV levels, which of how many of those stats are basically perfect highest that they can be so if you have an iv6 pokemon you have an absolute perfect pokemon they've added two key features to this game that no other game in the series has had up up to this point including pokemon go which is you can see the iv level of your pokemon you get an item in the game that actually shows you what the iv level is now you can puzzle it out yourself by looking at the stat screen if you want to uh, but they give it to you where it's just bare for you to see it's the first time they've ever done that i just want them shiny damn it (laughs) <laughs> well, that's the, sec- well, second. that's the second part. Now, the second part is they've added this option called chaining. Now, one of the problems with Pokemon being shiny or having those IV level stats is they're incredibly, incredibly rare. So you could have a one in 5,000 spawn chance. And if you've ever looked at Twitch, the people that still stream Pokemon looking shiny runs, they will reset the game four, five, six thousand times to get a specific shiny. Now, in this game, what you can do is you can start building combos. Every single time you catch a Pokemon of the same type, well, the same one. Um, so if we'll use Caterpies, for example. You start chaining a combo. And at every 10, your combo breaks into the next bracket, which increases the type of stats that you get for, like the IV levels, as well as your increases your chance of getting a shiny. And this combo stays in place until one of two things happens. Or three things. You either turn off the uh, the switch or log out of the software. We'll count that as the same thing. Capture a different Pokemon, which breaks your combo, or the Pokemon runs away. By doing this, you can guarantee yourself a better chance at a shiny of anything you want in the game. Now, this is important because another thing that they've done is they've added a post-game that wasn't really present in the other ones. Now, I haven't gotten there yet because I'm still playing through the game, but during the post game, you have a ton of other options for what you can do, including multiple spawns of legendaries, just like in Pokemon Go. So let's say you really have your heart set on a shiny Zapdos. You don't have to reset the game 4,000 fucking times. Once you capture all three of the birds, you can fly around the world, literally fly in the air because they've added another layer of Pokemon encounters where flying Pokemon can spawn above the ground. So you can go and find and farm them and and do what you want to try to get your perfect, your shiny, whatever you want. I like that because it gives me something other to do than, well, I've done the game. I've beat the elite four. I've completed my Pokedex. Well, there's nothing else for me to fucking do. Well, I'm out of here. It's a little thing to to sort of incentivize doing that a little bit to me, to me as a player. 
So that's my yeah, but let's be very honest. That's to you as a player that is potentially investing a lot more hours in and so getting to that point a lot faster than maybe some other players and i mean consider the fucking source here because i i've put in a lot of players hours into doing the things that i i want to in the game and again it's not to to say that one is better than the other by any stretch we can agree on that what i i'm saying is that i enjoyed grinding um, which is kind of funny but to say, but I enjoyed grinding the battle aspects of it. You're enjoying grinding the exploration aspects yep. of it. And, and I respect that, and I'm, I'm cool with that, and I understand. And maybe once I get to that point, maybe I'll be like, yeah, this is fine. Because it's not like I, I, I've hidden my... my not hatred, that's way too strong a term, but I, I, I'm not on board with every single game being some form of a fighter or a shooter or whatever. I like the, the for lack of a better term as well, the, fight, uh, the walking simulators. I like something that tries something different. So this trying to not be a cockfighting game is actually really ridiculously good unfortunately they built such a good fighting system and such a compelling addictive fighting system that i'm like damn i kind of miss that grind because that kept me engaged it kept me hunting the pokemon that would fulfill this team perfectly with their abilities and everything and it's an element that i actually enjoyed so what you're saying is you want to find the original japanese version of green uh because in the original version of the game the very first forest that you enter, I think it's what Viridian Forest. Um, when you enter into it, not only were all of the encounters completely random and continued to happen, but all of the NPCs, once you beat them, continued to fight you whenever they caught eyesight of you. It was Dude, I'm on board for that. It was a never ending battle that they decided to not do that when it came to North America, but it would actually take a new player who just started up the game upwards of two to three hours to get through the first forest. Dude, dude that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> now, you, you, you can find the copy of this game. Wait, you, you said that's it. green? It like it's going to be beautiful. That's Pokemon green? The original Japanese green. Dude, okay. Yeah, I might because do that because that sounds like actually a lot of fun. And it's funny because I'm not a souls type of player we've established that over years of this podcast but with this kind of thing again this is hardly souls like yeah but it's it's again it's part of it i think is because it's such a well thought out tactics game you know and the chess player in me likes that a lot and so I'm willing to forgive the fact that it's quite literally a cockfighting game for kids and be like, okay, but tell me about those abilities. Let me see if I can chain certain things together. And and I, I dig that. And I feel that once I've run out of NPCs, that's going to be taken away from me. And I think of it in terms of Pokemon Go, which... I, I don't want to say I play because, once again, because I rarely leave the house by no choice of my own, I am at the mercy of whatever is whatever Pokemons are walking through my neighborhood. So I have a very different experience with Pokemon Go than the majority of players. But it, it's one of those where in just one round looking for whichever Pokemon I'm looking for and then quite literally just throwing a, a Pokemon to the, the uh, a ball to the, the center of the screen isn't fun enough. Whereas a tactics battle element is. Again, that's just me and I'm not taking away from anybody who enjoys the other elements. But we, we, I mean, okay, finish off with whatever point you have and then we'll move on. Yeah, go ahead. A couple quick things. Uh, One, I do appreciate, and this is something that I think you would enjoy that I was, I was trying to get to. So I think it would make you happy uh, is that they have master trainers in the game. And what the master trainers are, they're specialty trainers uh, throughout the game world 
that even after you beat them, you can continue to fight and engage them, and they level up to your level to give you a, again, fight experience because they understand that people like you exist and want to get fights. That's good, yeah. So that's that's there for you. The, the other things that I really enjoy about this is, one, because of the lack of random encounters, I don't have to keep ethers on me all of the goddamn time. And that was one of my gripes about the original games is that you could be in a very heavy area like one of the tunnels or you know, one of the forests and have to escape rope out because every single one of your Pokemon has no moves or no energy to pull moves with. Yeah. Anymore. We, let's be honest though. Let's, again, I'm not disagreeing with you about that. Aspect. I know. Oh my God. I cannot stress enough how fantastic it is that we're able to see what the Pokemons are because oh, yeah. it, it, it makes sense. You know, like your shit would not be sneaking up like you, uh, like uh, like this on you in reality. And yeah, I get it, it's a game, but it's one of those like, fuck, I hate that that aspect. This is great, and I get the impression the Game Freaks is kind of like having a little fun with it too. Like when you're in the dark cave and you only see silhouettes of the Pokemon as they're around you. I fucking adore that shit because then you're kind of going around them to figure out, oh, which one of these do I really, holy shit, what is that? That's how I got my fucking Cubone. He was the little run in that cave and I went, what is that? And I went after it and got it. I adore that shit. Now, the other things that I really enjoy about it as well is that uh, in the original games, you had to walk everywhere and you couldn't run. There was no run button until you got the sneakers. And then you had to wait until you got a bicycle in order to go faster than that. And then you had to get the special ability fly and hope you had a Pokemon that could learn that ability in order to go elsewhere. Uh, they've done some quality of life improvements here that borrow from some of the newer generation of games. Like instead of getting a bike like you normally would, you get the ability to ride a Pokemon, which I think is is a very nice touch. From the very beginning of the game, you can run. You're not as slow as you were before. When you get the ability to fly, you can fly on any of your Pokemon that have the ability to fly. Uh, and Charizard. Like, there Charizard is only Aerodactyl. one motherfucker to ride to fly. <laughs> Let's be very honest. <laughs> and and on top of that, the the hidden moves, the ones that you need to progress through the game, strength and and cut and, and all flash and all those other ones. I like the fact that they've given them to your main Pokemon as just things that they can learn in addition to their other things. In the previous games, you had to dedicate a Pokemon to do that, and so it took up a slot in your group uh, because it had to be an eligible Pokemon that could learn it, as well as make sure you had the ability to use it, like you had the PowerPoints and stuff like that. This the quality. Wait, of wait, wait, wait. Are you referring to shit like chopping down trees and stuff like that too, yep. as well? In Dude, that's game, why. Oh. Because I, I thought I remember, again, pardon me for, to, I might not be remembering correctly, pain meds. Um, I thought you had to train specific Pokemon, even as going back to, what was the last one, Diamond that I played, I think? Yep. Where you're like, you have to train them to chop specific a tree, so it, it takes that spot away from them. So that's... Like, I noticed now I can chop trees, and it's not actually assigned to a spot. Yeah, because your your Pokemon, your main Pokemon, Eevee or Pikachu, depending on the version you got, just it, it gets taught that ability. Oh, dude. In addition to that, another so, thing. So, oh, hey, hold on. I'm not fucking done. So, that's going to be the same thing for all of those abilities now? Yep. Oh. Fly. Fuck, you made my night. <laughs> so, 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 Fly, P like, Pikachu and, and Eevee hook themselves up to, like, a, like, balloon apparatus. Oh, and fuck take it the air. That is awesome. Okay. Now, on top of that, they, so another, thing that they, another thing that they do, because they understand that they've they've taken away things like fishing rods as well. They're, those are no longer a thing. Um, you don't fish for Pokemon. You just encounter them just like you do anything else when you get the, the surf ability. Now, they've, as a result, um, oh, God, I lost my train of thought. God damn it. Fishing. Oh, yep. So they've given a special trainer in each of the early starting area or each of the early areas that can teach your Pokemon, your main Pokemon, up to three moves of each of the core elemental types from the starters that you don't have. Yeah. So, so you can have something that's, you know, fire or grass or whatever. 
and it's very, very useful. And that's actually, I found it incredibly useful for my, my EV running around, but I like that because it's a big quality of life. So like, you're not going to have a water type guaranteed. You maybe might find a Psyduck eventually, but you need one, you need water early. Here's a guy that's just going to be able to train it. If you choose to give one of those spots of your abilities to your Pokemon, it expands and gives you a little more leeway. I'll go you one further. It's not just that, but also if here's this ability, if you care enough that you're literally talking to everyone because there's hidden elements like that throughout, like the, the one of the trainers in question that you're talking about that teaches you um, it's a fire ability and it's fairly early on. Like if you chose not to talk to this person, you're not getting that ability. It's that fucking simple. And it applies to not just abilities as they're given like this, but a slew of other things that I've discovered throughout the game as I've been playing it as well, where I'm like, had I not talked to this kid that looks like he's buying a fucking popsicle, I would not know this element of the game that kind of changes it in a fairly significant manner. And that's one of the same things that they apply to this, I, which I, again, think is fucking brilliant because it encourages you to be a part of that world. Like so many games rely on be it the the graphics largely or story in terms of trying to hook you in because again the 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 entire point of a game is to take you from the person that is with their hands on their keyboard and mouse or controller and implant you into that world that they've created. They created this system that kind of damn near forces you in and it's one of those yeah you can have all of these cool things but you're gonna have to talk to dude over there with the long hair you're gonna have to talk to this person or whatever so you're trained early on in very much the same way as mmos train you earlier on how to use your your weapons and cash and quest you're trained here to talk to everyone to get the story of this world because in so doing it unlocks these awesome aspects of the game that otherwise would take you you might not get or would take you a long time to get to and and my parting thoughts on this because we've been going on for a little bit uh longer than i not long enough it's fucking pokemon (laughs) but we could go for longer is just i i am overall impressed with what they've done here with the graphics the gameplay uh, minus some of the more control weird things Dude. like the right Joy-Con. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know, the right Joy-Con has a weaker antenna than the left Joy-Con. So motion controls, if there's anything in between or you're far enough distance away, can be a little bit tricky if you're playing in docked mode. And this is true of all of the games. Uh, people were actually starting to complain about this in Mario Odyssey because, again, you had to have very specific and quick inputs. And it was something that it was necessary for some of the motion controls. Um, I can say without a doubt, though, that the Pokeball Plus works absolutely flawlessly um, and is was worth every fucking penny. Really? I was going to ask you. Yeah, I, for me, it is. It's a really it's a nice size. It it only has the, the joystick uh, and then the joystick access button. And it's got another button on top. Um, the motion controls are very responsive and accurate. Um, the added bonus of having the audio from having your captures and your battles inside of it are really really fun the fact that you can take one of your pokemon with you from the game into the pokeball yes. and take it around with you to earn candy uh is really great um i also use it for pokemon go when i'm driving because it automatically spins stops and catches pokemon as i don't have to touch a goddamn thing so i don't miss out on things which is really nice uh and the fact that it comes with mew is an added bonus that is freaking awesome. I was curious about the Pokeball because I've been playing um, in handheld mode and the thing about this this one is that we, and, and I'll take the, the heat on this one and say I myself in particular have been saying for so fucking long, we need something that looks better. There is no reason for a Pokemon game to look like shit still. And so this one here is like 
such a step forward for me. Like I'm like adoring it and I've been playing it mainly in handheld mode. And so the resolution is different. So you're looking at it and it looks great. And it was actually today for the first time because actually Belgas, who was uh, writing about it today, check out his his, uh, his blog. He was writing about um, Let's Go and and his thoughts and whatnot. And he was talking about the uh, the control if you have it docked and that stupid motion control. And I was like, you know what? I actually need to do that before we record tonight so that I can see whether or not it's that bad or if it's like, oh, this will be all right. And so I was playing docked. And before you gave me the tip, which once again, thank you so much for saving me so many Pokeballs. I was playing with the right Joy-Con, which is the wrong fucking one to use, apparently. And literally, I'm not joking here, folks. I found a Cubone, which is objectively, not subjectively, objectively the coolest fucking Pokemon ever. And I'm like, I'm... I'm catching this motherfucker. Now, it happened that I had come very close to running out of battery power because this is the first fucking Switch game in a while where I'm like, I need to dock this for power because I'm constantly running out of power because I'm playing it far too (laughs) much. And so I have got it docked and I'm using the Joy-Con, the wrong Joy-Con, and I wasted over 10 Pokeballs. It got to the point, and this is, I shit you not, I was aiming over my shoulder, and it was hitting it. (laughs) How fucked up is that? That you were literally aiming 180 degrees away from where the switch is docked. Like, I get that the right Joy-Con is, the antenna is a little, a little quote unquote fucked. That's it's, more than a little. <laughs> it's, it's just that actually is explainable by the fact that it's not actually looking for direction or distance. It's looking for accelerometer. So when you're throwing over your shoulder, you're doing the exact same thing as if you were going the opposite direction and causing the accelerometer to go to the front of the Joy-Con. Um, it's also, funnily enough, a little bit easier to do it that way because if you look on the bottom of the right Joy-Con, it has an IR blaster it's a little bit easier to hit it that way. So you you accidentally found a solution to a problem <laughs> by doing something really wacky. Oh, it was it was very, very annoying. Anyways, we are going to move away from Pokemon. Oh, wait, wait. One, la- oh, one last thing. Go for it. When you plug in the Pokeball Plus, it plays the uh, Poke Center music for healing your Pokemon to charge. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's it. I'm good. Uh I, again, because I primarily watched the kids playing Yellow and I didn't really play through it myself, uh, and even in, in like emulators and whatnot, I didn't play through it. Um, it's, it's the same story that you've experienced before, but, I mean, it's ridiculously well done. I, I, you have to give them credit for that. And we've been saying all of these things. We want to see more of these quality of life in- improvements or, or graphical improvements or, or UI improvements. Although fucking get with the fucking program. Start using, stop using the old icons in your menus and shit. Like get with the program, modernize it all. But well, it's like nostalgia. Yeah, I, no, I don't. I, that was lazy development as well. How I did. But anyways, it, it is good. So. Where's that music? Oh, that's on my end. (laughs) (laughs) If you're hearing music, folks, that's because it's coming from a few weeks ago when that was a track that we needed for a campaign. I'll take that out later. Anyways, (laughs) moving on, there was a lot to like about this, so I would actually tell people... If you were on, I can't believe I'm still talking because I was playing. I could pause at any time and take it off. <laughs> if you are on the fence all about this because of any number of things, whether it was, eh, it might be too similar in terms of story, or eh, I don't necessarily like the changes that are being made because it is fundament- fundamentally different in certain regards. I, 
it's worth it actually it's it's actually worth the price of admission you're gonna put enough hours to make it worth it and that's coming from a couple of different guys that have differing opinions even of what makes a game worth it so yeah give it a shot it's worth it so now we finally get to actually hear the other co-host on the show so vince you're up with some final fantasy for sorry 15 news as well as some anthem news so go for it uh we'll start off with anthem because that's definitely the shorter of the two they did another one of their alpha live streams last week and they said this is definitely gonna become a recurring thing like they set up like actual production and like they're really really setting up on uh, like i said last time showing off what this game has to offer and this latest stream was about the actual customizations for your javelins all, all of the cosmetic stuff that you can look forward to uh they mostly looked at the ranger which is a again kind of the default suit in this game largely because well it's alpha <laughs> some stuff still was, was still broken when they were trying it on the other suits <laughs> so they didn't want to they, they had the ranger working perfectly for the stream which they showed off that one largely and customization looks pretty freaking cool. Uh, to begin with, each uh, each of the four exosuits has its own basic style. And you can equip a completely different helmet as well as add-ons to your arms, legs, and chest to enhance how it looks. 100% cosmetic, has no effect on gameplay, but as we all know, that's the more important thing. In addition to that, you can customize the paint job, the wear state of your armor, so it can be banged up, it can have bullet holes, it can have scorch marks, it can just be covered in mud, all kinds of that stuff. Uh, vinyls, which are decal overlays, and animations. So getting into the paint part of things, it's going to differ based on which specific javelin you're customizing. But looking at the Ranger, it essentially had six different options for paint. It had the uh, the hard options and the soft options. So hard options are going to be your metals, your plastics, those sort of part, those sorts. And then the softs are the leathers and the cloth bits that actually bind bind it together because you're still a person in there. There's an underlayer of padding between you and the armor that is, of course, something you can customize visually. And then for the Ranger, you have a primary, secondary, and tertiary color that you can apply to those two different regions, if you will. So that's a lot <laughs> to really look at. And full color control, like you can the whole color wheel, everything you want to do. But beyond that, you can select which material you want for each of those. So let's say for your uh, your hard points, you want the primary material to be metal, secondary material to be plastic, and a third, and the tertiary material to be vinyl. And then you can color each of those on their own. They're all going to have their own pattern options available. They're going to have their own ways that they uh, reflect the ambient lighting of the game and, uh, and just how like it's generally going to look, how it's going to move. It's really fantastic what they've done here. As insofar as if it's an actual metal piece, they have specific metallic colors that all have pre-programmed ways that they interact with lighting based on the actual metal that you're choosing to, to be made out of. So again, for the Ranger, that's six different color options that you can mix and match however you want. They even said, if you want, you can put a cloth finish on your hard pieces or a metallic finish on your soft pieces. It might not look great, but the options there, they're not going to limit you. So you can have literally a solid gold flowing cape if you want. So, yeah, I want a solid gold flowing cape, please, guys. <laughs> oh, <she's laughs> uh, they showed briefly some of the other suits, uh, like, for example, the, the storm suit. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, because it was only on screen for a few seconds, I think it had six different options for saw or four or five different options for soft pieces and then two different options for hard pieces because it's it's more of the mage style. So there's a lot more cloth and leather and stuff going on there because it's flying around. It needs to be light. So I like how it's not just the same menu even for each of the different uh, javelin archetypes. They're going to look at very differently as you're customizing them, which is awesome. Uh, beyond that, uh, when you equip the gear to your javelins, because they're literally attachments, the color choices you've chosen for your javelin will automatically apply to your gear. So that's very nice. It's going to match. Uh, they said there's a different system for 
customizing the looks of weapons, but they did not get into that here because it's not quite ready for prime time. Uh, on top of that, they showed off the vinyl system. Vinyls are going to work uh, kind of the ways old school shaders did in Destiny, where it was a reward for completing a really cool challenge. You know, you saw somebody going around in one of those rare shaders. You're like, oh, they killed, you know, this raid boss or whatever on legendary, diff whatever the hell this shit was. Whereas this, it's uh, it's like actual decals that you put over your armor. And then if you want, you can mix and match your color scheme to match the decal. And it's not, it's a completely uh, dynamic system where any decal you pick will work with any of the four javelins and any of the customizations that you choose. Like they showed off uh, an N7 decal that they made for N7 Day a couple weeks ago. And it's literally Shepard's N7 armor. And then the guy went in and tweaked all the material and color settings that it looked exactly like Shepard's armor after the decal was on. Dude. If you want to, you can run, a, run around with pink and green armor and still have the black and red N7 decal. That's an option. <laughs> like know. in Mass Effect 1. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's the animations. You have three different slots for animations. You have your victory animation, which is the pose your character goes into when they, you know, beat, defeat a boss, complete a mission. Uh, their arrival animation showing up, of course, and three different emotes that you can slot in. Uh, currently, they they say that you're limited to five loadouts per suit, but that will likely change. And loadouts combine both uh, gear setups and cosmetics. So you can definitely tailor your cosmetics to whatever role you want to play as well, which is cool. And finally, they did not discuss the specific methods for unlocking a lot of these, but from watching it, you could clearly see many of the suit materials were labeled as white common or green uncommon. So it's definitely going to be a drop-based thing. Right. And there's going to be lots of cool farming to get those awesome armor pieces or that really cool like metallic finish that you want which i'm all for well i mean it depends on how much of a grind it becomes yeah if, if, if it's reasonable for you to think okay yeah i'm gonna be looking at you know 10 15 runs or whatever to get this specific thing that i want then it becomes again it's a reasonable amount of time it if it becomes too crazy legendary rare there's no reason to keep playing kind of thing so if if they can find that perfect balance yeah this could actually be fairly cool yeah i, I was really impressed with what i saw and like as they're going through the screen stream and discussing uh the the one guy like one of their lead character designers was just going through and just making different versions and different color schemes and seeing how well the different material types and pattern selections and and colors were seeking out he was making some really legitimately gorgeous looking suits awesome the bigger news this week however is at uh las vegas fan fest this past week final fantasy 14 announced their next expansion coming next year, Shadowbringers. And this trailer is just like every other Final Fantasy XIV trailer. If this doesn't get you excited for the game, you might not have a pulse because they nail these expansion announcement trailers. This one was very different for a lot of reasons. Uh, first of which, uh, Nobuo Uematsu, the famous composer for Square Enix, is kind of taking a, a sabbatical. So Soken, who is the main composer for Final Fantasy XIV, he does all of the, well, the vast majority of the in-game music. He actually did the music for this trailer instead of Uematsu. And it he has a very different style, much more modern, much more aggressive. And that really lended well to the theme of this trailer, which was just fucking badass. <laughs> uh, what we have coming up with this expansion is after several expansions of... Uh, freeing various nations and assuming your uh, assembling your coalition, uh, you're finally going to go after the Garlean Empire and try to take them down. But that looks like it might not be the most important thing happening here. So as a bit of background, the calendar in Final Fantasy XIV is split up into astral and umbral eras, light and darkness. As they, they ebb and flow over time, the, the calendar changes to match that, and it's it's reflected. For example, uh, the seventh umbral calamity was the in-game story event that destroyed the 1.0 version of the game before it relaunches a Realm Reborn. And when Realm Reborn launched, you played through the seventh umbral era, 
you got to the end of that storyline, the darkness had been defeated, light rose anew, and you entered the seventh astral era. Well, what we're starting to see here is that maybe if the light gets too strong, that can have a calamity of its own as well. As we see this crazy angel just beating the ever-living hell out of the Warrior of Light, the accepted name for the canonical uh, player character. And what's really cool in this trailer, he goes through all the various jobs that he has had in the, the story trailers, starting as an archer in 1.0, on through warrior, monk, samurai, or dragoon, monk, and samurai, and none of them are effective until he embraces the darkness, the, the dark side of his powers, and canonically becomes a dark knight for this 5.0 expansion and is able to, to withstand the attacks. It's really interesting that, you know, maybe all this stuff we've been working for is potentially going to do more harm than good in the long run. There's a lot of questions that are going to be answered about the mythology of the universe, the crazy darkness wizards, the Asians who have been like behind the scenes manipulating things. As a matter of fact, in I believe it was the Heavensward storyline, so the 3.0 era, you actually came across a group of adventurers who called themselves the Warriors of Darkness, and they were from another realm that was destroyed during an astral calamity. The light became too strong, their world was destroyed, they ended up aligning with the Asians to try and prevent the same thing happening in other worlds. So from our point of view, they're villains. They're trying to prevent the light from, from succeeding, but now looking at it from a different perspective, they're just harbingers of what's to come. So lots of really fascinating stuff happening storyline-wise here, and that's before we even get into the crazy gameplay stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, first of all, <laughs> they announced the first new playable class coming to the game in the Blue Mage, one of the long-standing traditions of Final Fantasy games. They're finally bringing the Blue Mage in. And the Blue Mage is actually not part of the expansion. The Blue Mage will be available in, I think, January when patch 4.5 comes out. So even before the 5.0 expansion patch, Blue Mage is going to be added to the game. Starts at level one. Uh, it's what they're referring to as a limited class. So at first, the level cap is going to be 50. Uh, they said it'll increase over time. Uh, of course, once 5.0 comes out, the level cap for all the other classes is going to go up to 80. So it's something that they're establishing in steps. And they're really doing it very differently. They said Blue Mage is a solo-focused gameplay class. And they're balancing it for that solo gameplay to the point where you actually can't even do like the dungeon finder style content. You can still do multiplayer content with a pre-made group, but it's not going to you're not going to be able to use the matchmaking systems because they acknowledge to do a blue mage right for Final Fantasy is not going to be effective from an MMO. And from seeing what they did with the blue mage in Final Fantasy 11, they're right. <laughs> it's just it's not something that works. So the way a blue mage works is you go out there and you learn skills from various enemies and a lot of these skills can be very unbalanced and very strong because they're the stuff boss monsters use to kill you if you can then turn around and use that boss monster ability in regular dungeons it can kind of turn things into a cakewalk which is exactly how blue mages work in traditional final fantasy games one of the reasons i don't really like using the blue mages it's kind of a grind to learn the skills and then once you do learn the skills the game stops being fun because you remove a lot of the challenge from it so they're treating it as a solo focus class. They said at launch, there's going to be 49 different enemy abilities that you can learn and you can customize your own toolbars because you can only have 24 of them active at any one time. And they're even adding in, oh God, I forget what, what it's called. The, the Grand Carnival is a blue mage specific end game gameplay scenario for them where it's essentially a coliseum where they have to fight through wave after waves of enemies. And all of these enemies have different tactics and different weaknesses that you need to exploit in order to defeat them. So in other words, you have to make sure you go out there and you learn the skills you need to accomplish it. It's perfect for blue mages, 100% not for me, because again, I don't like blue mages. And it's really interesting how they're stretching the boundaries of what the combat system can do in this game. That's awesome. Uh, from what we know, uh, according to Yoshi, 
that there is a large hint as to the other upcoming gameplay, uh, I'm sorry, uh, playable class, and that is 100% what we see in the trailer, uh, Thancred, one of the ongoing characters in the storyline. He's absolutely wielding a gunblade, the Squall's weapon from Final Fantasy VIII. And if the various leaks that have been popping up over the past couple months are to be believed, yes, the Gunblade class is absolutely going to be one of the playable classes. And also, according to the leaks, looks like Dancer is going to be the third playable class added in, which is like a healing support style class. And on top of that, every time he's up there, he always wears like a little joke T-shirt to, to, to kind of tease what their next announcement is going to be. They did a lot of talk about how they're going to be adding one more playable race to the game in the expansion, and it's going to be the last playable race they add because it makes sense, you know, eventually you stop finding new races in the world unless you want to start crashing spaceships and finding new lost continents every expansion. But in this uh, particular announcement, he was wearing a Bugs Bunny shirt, which implies heavily that the Viera from Final Fantasy Tactics and Final Fantasy XII will be added in next. And Joe, I noticed this caught your eye. Yeah, so that's my favorite race on all of Final Fantasy, which that alone would be enough to make me pay for a subscription to play this game again. <laughs> I, I just, I've always loved the character design. I've always loved the artwork that surrounded them. I don't know why, but I just have. So being able to potentially play as one is way more exciting than a cat girl, to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going back to those leaks that are slowly being confirmed with each new announcement that he said, yes, the Viera are going to be a playable race. He was also talking about a second playable race that was going to be some, somewhat lion-like, but of course, uh, the official announcement, there's only going to be one playable race. So we don't know if it's going to be like different tribes, different sub-races from what we've seen in Final Fantasy. Like there's a main race and there's two different you know, tribes for each one, which have different cultural and uh, many times aesthetic things as well so there might be a bunny type viera and a cat type viera that we can look forward to but yeah Shadowbringers looks absolutely awesome uh all kinds of, of course balance changes and gameplay changes uh they're taking the two resources that you have in combat magic points and technical points and just merging them together into mp one of the cool things they talked about is they've had a cross server like grouping that has been in the game for a while now now you straight up have the ability to just visit other servers uh, as long as they're part of your data center. So like your server cluster. So for North America, there's going to be three different data centers. If there's a server that's in your data center, you can just teleport to that actual server and hang out with your friends over there. Uh, there's a number of restrictions to that. Of course, they don't want it to affect the economy. So you can't, can't sell stuff on the market boards. Uh, you can't buy property, you know, that sort of stuff. But if you just want to go hang out with your friends, do RP events, uh, a lot of that stuff, you can now do that even if they're not on the same server as you. So that's a really cool feature they're adding yeah, as well. That's really nice. I do like the ability to let, you know, the community grow and RP the way they want to. That mm -hmm. seems like a good move to me. Yeah. And again, there's numerous, numerous other smaller changes that they talked about. But at the end of the day, brand new expansion. You're now the warrior of darkness. Uh, bunnies and blue mages. Oh my, this is going to be an absolute blast. And I really can't wait to get a properly functioning computer again because i i've been missing this game <laughs> was that all the uh the good news from final fantasy 14 that we that we've gotten or is there anything else uh, god i hope that's all <laughs> uh, we'll see what the, what the coming weeks uh show us so marty you were excited or, or at least i thought you were excited about torchlight frontier at least you found some interesting stuff want to talk about that a little bit yeah, so Torchlight Frontier, there was an hour and a half video released uh, talking about the pre-alpha build, announcing when the alpha is coming out, which I think is uh, this week. And or by the time it drops, our episode drops, there should be a playable alpha, which is invite only. Uh, but they detailed a lot about Torchlight's uh, relic weapon system, as well as their uh, fort system. Uh, forts being... Uh, the area where your player has uh, a built, built their settlement uh, for the frontiers that you are exploring and conquering. So uh, you get to build your own. They're still working out some of the details and the uh, what you can do with it, but some things that they are making sure everybody can do 
if there is an item for your class, it is all going into your fort because forts are account bound, um, which is really nice considering that uh, it's going to be integral to your playing. So if you say they only showed like two classes, um, actually they only showed one class, the Dusk Mage, but they were talking about the Forge character, uh, ca character class, wherein there was a Forge character class uh, skill tree system there. Uh, which is how this is going to work. You could go there, uh, level it up, and then when you switch characters or make a new main or whatever, your fort is all ready to go, which is which is actually really, really nice. Uh, they did detail additionally, like there won't be levels. There will be skill points. Skill points will be uh, from drops, um, from mobs, which is an interesting take. I don't know if I have never played a game where skill points dropped from a mob except for like destiny when you're getting a new light path but have you guys ever played a game where the skill points didn't come from like a level event but just from a mob you killed i i know that there's been games with different skill point systems like stuff with um what was it guild wars did it i'm trying to think offhand i i, I have a feeling that there's one i just can't remember it right now yeah it, it's very interesting to me um not necessarily my jam, but totally, the, I think it's kind of innovative. Uh, they also uh, talked about and showed how easy it is to build your own uh, fort, adding things, moving trees, making your own graveyard if you want one, and how you can just teleport in and out of your fort uh, to store items, to get items, uh, and also how they will use this new mapping artifact thing to basically set up a post frontier exploration adventures so you can go uh and do a, a zone over um feels kind of like a mini uh season system but set up through your fort so you just go in launch yourself into a new thing which gives you like life bound items which is just an item that exists as long as your character doesn't die it's oh that's right they called it the way they were introducing their hardcore system which also seems kind of fun uh Calendar, calendar time is necessary to refine certain items in game. In other words, so you chop down an ash tree, it's going to take a little bit of time to get it together. Uh, anywhere between 12 and 24 hours, they're still not set on that. Um, but they also went into detail about uh, how they separated uh, to allow for more horizontal growth. They created a relic weapon system where you have an item that you can equip, wherein you have... Uh, the a new skill tree item or new power and you can level it up do cool stuff with it drop it in your uh, artifact bank your reliquary and then go get a new one and go back and play which just changes the nature of the class that you're playing and the goal for the, the stated goal for the relic weapons is to build out um, new ways of playing and trying out the skill systems and and devoting skills to that play style. So you build your play style around, around a relic weapon. And the other cool thing is that the relic weapons are all crafted. And so it will tell you in the UI where you need to go to get this thing to make this weapon so you can level it up and it will be cool. Uh, they were showing us the, uh, the giant sword one, the demon sword, and would just call down the sword from across the sky and just smash into dudes and slaughter all the goblins. Um, there is also a goblin target that I guess is very popular right now in their office. Uh, we also got to see a little bit of River Run, which is part of the Goblin Frontier. Uh, and then they just showed off more of the reliquary weapons and how they're going to do that in the future. Uh, so in short, we've got a definition on how they're going to do skills. We've got uh, the new relic system that's coming out. They've got uh, how they're going to experiment with hardcore mode with something called life-bound items, which seems nice. And they are going to uh, push for more crafted stuff. There is one additional thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, there's a skill per zone so that you can master uh, hybrid, which is spelled H-Y-V-R-I-D as well as goblin items. So you go to your frontier, you learn to master their weapons, their techniques, and you get to spend skill points to do those things. Um, that seems kind of cool if you want to like build it out that way, but it also just feels like a skill point sink. And it seems like it's like a really expensive 
meaty kind of choice that they want you to make, which they're not sure how they're going to let you unlearn skills. Um, but there will be a ton of choices that are coming in the Torchlight. Or if they're the going to let you unlearn skills, because remember, that was a big thing in the original Torchlight. Well, I never, you know, I never played the original. I played the original Torchlight for about 20 minutes before I'm like, okay, I'm done. It was just like I, the, my computer was not powerful enough to play it. Um, but they did say that they will be letting you unlearn skills uh, where you won't get a point refund, but they don't want to have to make you spend like a thousand skill points to learn the fourth level of a skill if you didn't like the one you just purchased. So, which is nice. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it looked great. It looked very, uh, it didn't look like much like a Diablo clone. It didn't look like, it, you know, plays like one, but it, it's not, the art style is totally different, a little bit more cartoony. Uh, it looked fluid and great even for a pre-alpha build. And they're really excited to kill their servers and how they're going to run in alpha uh, for the alpha test. And they're still, they still have a, a projected date of 2019, but we'll see. Yeah. It's, it's, they definitely have some interesting ideas. I just, I don't know. There's still kind of a bad taste around it for me. I I'm interested, but I'm not invested at this point. I'm interested, but there's nothing on my list. That's going to say, Buying Torchlight Frontier is going to take place over saying me buying a PS4 for Spider-Man, which is two totally different price points. But, you know, you got to save and scrimp and save. Here you go. So, you know. And, and as we, we know, you will be fired. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, or, or maybe worse, promoted. So I have to do shit. <laughs> Talking shit. Which, ugh. So, yeah. It's it looks interesting, but it's something that like uh, I I'm glad that they're doing more with this cool um, fort stuff, but I want to see I want to see where it's right. Well, all right then. Uh, show ran a little long tonight, so we've lost a few people here and there, but that's gonna wrap us up. So thank you everybody for listening to this episode of For the Lore. You can find uh, more of our episodes at forthelore.com. You can follow our Twitter account at forthelore. Follow us individually. Roger is at Zen Buddhist. Joe is at LoaderZJ. I am at Simodian. Marty, what are you? I'm Officer Gleason. All right. So thank you everybody for listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh my God. You cheated and you schemed. Heaven knows how you lied to me. You're not the way you see. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. 